The reading is from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, thank you very much, Pam, indeed, for reading for us. And uh, as you can see, and as we know, today is the first Sunday in Advent. So this is the season when we begin to look forward to the birth of Jesus as a baby at Bethlehem. And it's also known, of course, as the Incarnation. But I wonder, what does the word Incarnation mean to you? Perhaps in the light of the 60th anniversary of the Doctor Who programmes, um, you might think of Doctor Who as someone who was incarnated. And you can see there, I think there are about 15 versions or 15 reincarnations of the mythical Doctor Who. I remember watching Doctor Who when I was quite young, but I missed the earlier episodes because at that time we didn't have a TV. But uh, certainly it seems to grip a lot of people even today. But Doctor Who, or the Doctor, was a mythical figure, of course. And we are not here to worship a mythical figure. We are here to worship the one who could be considered the Lord of time, rather than a time lord. So if we look at our reading from John chapter 1, we get an explanation of what the incarnation is. So in the first two verses, we are told, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. In the beginning reminds us of the creation in Genesis chapter 1, which begins with those words. And 
The word here clearly means Jesus and tells us that he was with God at the beginning of creation. Then in verse 14, further on, it tells us that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Traditionally, as I've mentioned, Christmas is the time when we celebrate the Incarnation, the event when God appeared in a human body as the baby Jesus. But it's important, although we focus on Christmas, to remember that Jesus was incarnated for the whole of his life. It wasn't just something that happened at his birth. So Jesus was and is fully God and fully human. Unlike the present Doctor Who, he is not a mythical reincarnation. Now, as well as uh, thinking about Advent Sunday today, this talk also happens to be the sixth and the last of a series of talks based on the book, The Emotionally Healthy Church which I think some of you have been studying in house groups, so you probably know it better than I do. So, and today's theme is principle six. Make incarnation your model for loving well. So I'm not going to go over the first five principles, but I guess they must be familiar to many of you. To be honest, I struggled a a bit with this title because obviously, as humans, we can't be incarnated. The only one who is incarnated is, of course, Jesus. He is the one and only, the only one who is an incarnation of God. But going back to our reading in verse 12, John explains to us, he says, to all who received him, that is Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children not born from, excuse me, children born not of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So, Those of us who know the Lord are not considered to be children of God. We are not an incarnation, but we have been born of God. If we move a little bit further forward in John to chapter 3, so this tells us the story of Nicodemus, who had an interesting conversation with Jesus. And Jesus had told Nicodemus, that nobody can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And and then Nicodemus says, well, how can a person be born again? And then Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water, referring to a normal human birth, and the spirit, meaning receiving the Holy Spirit. So our relationship with God is based on the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not 
an incarnation in the sense that, that Jesus was. So in the context of the book that we're studying, um, I think it's helpful to think of the title of our session today something like Model Yourself on Jesus, the Incarnated One, so that you can share his love with others. So what are the features of Jesus' life that we should be modeling our lives on? Well, there are lots of these. I've just picked up, picked on three what I think are key, key points. So the first one there is his relationship with God. It's very obvious when you read the Gospels and the life of Jesus that he depended on his relationship with God. He quite often withdrew to pray. We find him in the temple reading the, the, the Old Testament. So Jesus had to receive from God in order to give out. And if he had to receive from the Lord, how much more do we need to receive from the Lord? And, and I feel uh, a little bit difficult in saying this because I know that my own relationship with God is nowhere near what it really should be. So we do need to spend time in prayer. We do need to spend time with God's word. That's uh, probably the most important thing, I think. Now, other characteristics of Jesus that are really important, his humility and service. So Luke 22, verse 27, he tells his disciples, I am among you as one who serves even to the point of washing his disciples' feet. He was quite happy to be a servant in many respects, not least the servant king who gave his life for us on the cross. So humility and service, which is something we don't often see in this world of ours these days. And then thirdly there, his suffering. Obviously, if Jesus had not offered himself as a sacrifice on the cross, then we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't have any confidence in being saved from our sins. So Hebrews 12 verse 2, for example, says, Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So he was prepared to suffer enormously for us. Unlike him, unlike him, we also are often suffer. If we're, if we're following the Lord, suffering can be part of that. But James, in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, tells us to count it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. 
Perseverance must finish its work so that you may mature and complete, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And this relates to what we heard last week from Linda Maslin, where she was encouraging us to embrace our sufferings, or I think she referred to a grief as well, mainly, but basically embrace our suffering and trials so, so that we are able to empathize, empathize with others who also suffer. So the, the benefits of trials is twofold. On the one hand, it helps us to become more mature, and on the other hand, it enables us to understand where other people are coming from in their suffering and trials. So how can we meet people where they are and love them? And there are three points here. The first one is to enter another person's world. So by that we mean getting to know somebody to the extent that we really understand where they come from, what they've been through, why they're struggling the way they are, And the key to that, according to the book we're studying, is effective listening. So effective listening that really understands the person. So, um, excuse me just one moment. I seem to have got my notes muddled up. That's not very good, is it? Um, Yes, yeah, so entering another person's world is about seeking to understand the other person's experiences and feelings fully. And listening is the key to that. Listening, of course, it sounds an easy thing to do, but in fact, effective listening is a skill that requires time and commitment in order, to, in order for us to do well at it. So my question to you, then, is how well do you listen? And um, we're going to have a little, um, not exactly a quiz, a questionnaire to help us find out how well we listen. Now, I don't know if some people have already done this in house groups. People, not yet. Oh, that's good, because I was a bit worried that most people will have done it. Anyway, uh, we've got a printed... Uh, questionnaire sheets, all you have to do is to read the statements and, and tick or mark the ones that you think apply to you. Okay, so if the statement is something that you believe you can do, or you do do, please mark it. And if it doesn't apply to you, just leave it blank. And at the end, we'll see what kind of scores you get in terms of whether you are an effective listener or not. Are we all done? Now, I'm not going to embarrass people by asking everybody their scores, but uh, it would be interesting to know whether anybody here has classed themselves. Oh, I need to tell you what the scores are, don't I? Sorry. Yes, here we are. So, um, 12 or more means an outstanding listener. Eight, oh, that, that should be 8 to 11, 
very good. Five to seven, good. And less than four, four or less, um, perhaps some improvement is needed. Um, so does, is anybody brave enough to put their hand up and tell us that they are an outstanding listener? We don't have any outstanding listeners? Even Nathaniel? No? <laughs> okay, dare I ask, who has got anybody get, get between 8 and 11? Oh, Nathaniel, right, okay. <laughs> and, oh, and Irene, well done, yeah, okay. Oh, Chris, yeah, well done. Yeah, excellent, excellent, yeah, okay. Well, okay, well, that's really great. I, anyway, I'm not going to go any further down the list. <laughs> Um, uh, yes, <laughs> I think I need improvement, I'm sure about that. Um, anyway, I hope it helps you to realise, if you didn't already, that listening is more than just sort of standing next to somebody during coffee for a couple of minutes. It's something that requires time and commitment. And and quite a lot of energy. It's his hard work listening to somebody for some, for some time. But the benefits of listening properly to people are quite considerable. Because if a person is well listened to, that person will feel valued. It's evidence of love and care from a person. And especially if they are making it clear that they have a, general a genuine interest in their well-being. They're not just standing there or sitting there just for the sake of it. So listening should be a mutual activity where one person will listen and then perhaps the other person will reflect on what the person has said. It enables or it can enable both people to share their experiences in detail and also support each other, leading to them becoming more emotionally and spiritually healthy. I'm not going to go into this in any more detail, but I meant some of you are studying the book here, and I would recommend you that you have a, a re read the book. It, is, it has a lot of good stuff in it. Um, as, as I intimated a little bit earlier, I, I struggle with one or two uh, points. But overall, the, the idea of thinking about our emotional and spiritual health so that we can be better disciples, better able to follow the Lord, better able to help and support those around us, is, is certainly very important. Now, I wonder if you know anybody, it can be somebody who's still alive or somebody who has passed away, who do you know who has mod modelled his or her life on Jesus? Or the way this book would put it, has lived an incarnated life. Anybody got any ideas of people in history or people around today who who have done that. Yes? I was Queen Elizabeth II. Oh, Queen Elizabeth II. Okay. Um, yeah, I think 
you could say this, she, she has exhibited some very... Yes, yes, she, she has certainly... She was certainly one who was faithful to her faith in God all her life. Yeah, I agree. Okay, it doesn't mean to say she did, did everything perfectly, though. Okay, um, person who come, one person who comes to my mind is Mother Teresa. Um, working among the poor and destitute in uh, Calcutta for many years. That certainly shows service and humility and commitment. And, uh, yeah, she certainly tried to make people feel valued through her ministry. Okay. Okay. Anyway, I'm sure we can think of other people too. So I think now uh, we're going to have a reflective song as we think about this theme a little bit.